Hi, I'm Stu Baca, and I'm a Gen X grown-up, and I support Gen X grown-up on Patreon, and you should too at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners, to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. I'm John. Joining me, as always, is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? And you know that Mo is here. Hey, everybody. You know, TV watching this time of year puts a lot of focus on classic specials like Rudolph and Frosty and Charlie Brown. Mm -hmm. But there's another class of Christmas special that shouldn't be forgotten. And that's when your favorite regular series put out this Christmas-themed edition kind of once a year. Uh, And in this show, we're going to remember some of our favorite Christmas-themed TV episodes and talk about those and kind of reminisce on that. Something that's also very, very special is our fourth listener. And before we get started with the show, we're going to start with some fourth (laughs) listener email. Fourth listener this time around is our longtime listener and patron, Stu Monkey, who wrote in with the subject line, Toy Store Memory. I'm sure referring to our Toy Store backtrack that we did just a couple weeks back. Stu Monkey says, yo guys, on the Toy Store topic. Our mall had a KB Toy Store, which was much better than the Woolworth or other department store toy aisles. But Mm. for some reason, KB never had what I was into or looking for. New Orleans, about a half an hour away from me, had a powerhouse Toys R Us store. And that was worth the two hour round trip if you had the chance to go with a family or friends. Wow. Man, a two hour round trip. George, what was your excuse that you didn't drive two hours to a Toys R Us? You said (laughs) it wasn't in your town. I completely disagree that it was better than Woolworth if he had to go to a toy store two mm. hours away. Second of all, he said a family, like, could you just pick a family and get in their car <laughs> or as a kid? Yeah. You probably like, Hey, where are you going? <laughs> you going right. to, you're going to toys R us. I'm in. He goes on to say that I remember my uncle bought me my first wire controlled airplane from toys R us when he was oh, on wow. business in new Orleans. It was pretty epic for the time. Gas powered remote controlled plane, but instead of a remote, it had mm-hmm. a handle tied mm-hmm. to a string on the plane. You had to let run out of gas before it landed. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I remember those. Absolutely. You just spin around in a circle while that thing's flying over yeah, yeah, your you, head. Yep. You get nauseous, but yeah. Or you stand what? in one spot and don't move and it just wraps around your neck really quickly. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> just, it takes care of the time. That's, yeah. It's, it's it almost sounds like all. George has some personal experience with this <laughs> rope getting wrapped around him. <laughs> I, I don't remember those. It's so was like a gas-powered plane on a rope, and it just yeah, flew like hell until it died? And it flew around in circles. You basically held on <laughs> yeah. to it for all you your life. You pulled the trigger, and it just went, and that was yeah. it. Yeah, and they were loud as hell, if I remember correctly, They too. were. Yeah, well, they were an internal combustion engine. Yeah. So <laughs> On the end of a string. As on a the child, end of a string. As a toy for a child. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> Perfect. Ages three and up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you're two, you shouldn't be playing with this. (laughs) Stu Monkey goes on to say, we were lucky enough to have a hobby shop locally, and they sold model rocket sets, toy models, etc. They were a bit more sophisticated than toy stores. For some reason, my mother, though, bought me snap-together toy models every year for birthdays, Christmas from the hobby shop. I guess she thought the glue models were too complicated for me. (laughs) (laughs) Manage expectations, I guess. (laughs) Maybe. You know, I bought the snap-tight models. I they were easy, I think, because they didn't have to then 
then buy glue because I was broke and cheap. And I'm like, well, I don't have to buy glue this way. Stu Monkey wraps it up by saying, keep up the rad work. May the fourth listener be with you. Sweet. Thanks, (laughs) man. We didn't even talk about the hobby stores in our toy store thing, but that's something that's still going pretty strong. I mean, I think every town has a couple of hobby stores for the, what, you got trains and- RC stuff, remote control stuff is big. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole other angle. So thanks for writing in. We appreciate it every time the fourth listener writes in. If you'd like your email feature here on the show, just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. Every single one gets read and most of them make the show just like this one. Now, in preparation for the show, each of us had to put a lot of grueling effort watching some old TV shows. And uh, that was no great heartache for me, I can tell you. (laughs) As we mentioned at the top, we went back and we picked some of our favorite Christmas themed holiday episodes. And we are going to get into those right after this break. Stick around. The night before Christmas and Oreo cookies waiting for a special guest. I'll just take a little rest. Ho, 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 who's that kid with the Oreo cookies? Eating all the luscious chocolate, licking all the creamy middles, dunking all the crunchy cookies like he did when he was little. It's so hard to hide the kid inside with Christmas and O-R-E-O. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're talking in this episode about those Christmas-themed episodes of regular TV shows. Not, mm-hmm. you know, Rudolph comes to town or How Charlie Santa Claus got his right, got his hat or any of those specials. <laughs> but your regular shows that were on back then, twenty-six episodes a year, which is unheard of in this age <laughs> yeah, of streaming. But they would always have a Christmas episode. Well, I won't say every single one of them, but it was very, very frequent. I mean, we went looking online, searching, and there are hundreds of yeah, oh, yeah. well-remembered. I think Christmas that was the hardest part was was trimming it down to just a few. Narrowing it down. Yeah. <laughs> so why do you think, I mean, there's no Easter episode preponderance out there. There's no Groundhog's Day, you know. <laughs> why Why are there Christmas episodes of so many shows that have nothing to do, zero to do with Christmas? Why do you think that was so popular and still is? Hmm. Honestly, it's because it's the most popular holiday of the year in the U.S. That's as simple as it gets. I mean, how many Easter resurrection stories can you do? Really? Mm-hmm. But with Christmas, it's all about, <laughs> you know, doing something good for people and it's about, yeah. you know, giving presents or it's about the bad person turning good. You can weave all kinds of themes into those types of episodes. Groundhog mm. Day? What are you going to say? Oh, okay. And another muskrat <laughs> came out of a freaking hole. And uh, right, you know, Thanksgiving, right, right. maybe you could do a couple episodes here yeah. and there. Halloween is another one that has that's a lot of episodes. Should, so maybe yeah. we can do some of that. But mm, okay. I would say Christmas is the most popular holiday and that's why there were so many episodes being a little bit of a cynical side of this is also because back in the day remember i mean tv audiences at christmas time that advertising time was probably primo oh if, that's so if you have a christmas episode then you know so th- there's a marketing angle too you're think. saying right oh yeah i hadn't thought of that yeah, there's so many themes in Christmas you could do that kind of lend themselves to to a different kind of narrative to weave into their story. I guess okay, yeah. guess that makes sense. So we picked some of our favorites. I think we picked about what nine or ten for right. this episode. There are hundreds, as we had said. <laughs> so 
uh, we kind of group them by era. So we're starting as far back as we can before we even got to the 70s. So this first pick was still is today one of my favorite shows. So there's an episode of Dragnet. Now you need to know a little <laughs> bit about. Now don't be laughing at my Dragnet. Now. I'm not. I'm not. It was. It was. A, it was a. What was it? Um, a very innocent episode. Oh, so you're remembering the episode already, right? Oh yeah. So you have to know a little bit about Dragnet. So Dragnet's been around for well Jeez. since radio era in the 40s. And then it had what the drag that most people know is the one that aired in the 60s. And that's the one that had Bill Gannon played by Harry Morgan, who's, you know, Colonel Potter from oh, MASH. Yeah, yeah. But that was the second television series of Dragnet. There was another one that ran in the mid 50s. And that's the run that I picked this episode from. So season three, all the way back in 1953, is an episode called The Big Little Jesus. Yeah. And I'm calling shenanigans right away. OK, why are you calling shenanigans on me? Because as we stated, these are supposed to be Gen X era <laughs> Christmas episodes. 1953 is baby boomers right after the damn war. I mean, come on. There's no way that's Gen X. Why in the well, world that's does a this fair make point, our list? But listen, because I spent so much time watching TV as a kid, and it wasn't just TV shows created when I was a kid, right? So I watched tons of Gomer Pyle and Leave it to Beaver and that stuff that came from the 50s. And so as latchkey kids, as you mentioned in one of your recent videos on YouTube, Mo, mm. even though these are older shows, they heavily influenced me as a kid. So that's why a 1953 Dragnet fits, I So argue. you're claiming reheated hash brown? reruns or something as part of Gen X? That just seems weak, but okay, whatever. I, I'm owning I, it. I'm, a, I'm owning it. John, I got your back on this one. I think you're right. <laughs> you got his back. You're old as yeah. dirt too. Of course exactly. you got his That's back. Why I, have his, why I think I have his back. <laughs> Mo watched it first run. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that episode first aired, I remember. Yeah. We had to turn the windmill to generate electricity. <laughs> That's right. Grandma had to run on the treadmill. So the title was The Big Little Jesus. And you should know that every Dragnet episode starts with the big something. There was like the big heist, the big jewelry robbery, whatever. And so they had to have that. So this one's called The Big Little Jesus. <laughs> I got so much to say about that, but keep going. Did, okay, well, good. It. So we all watched these episodes in preparation for the show because we had not all seen all of them. Right. So... <laughs> A real quick summary of the, the topic of this episode. It's one of my favorites, even though it's black and white and it's ancient, is it's Christmas Eve and this Father Rojas at this old mission discovers that the uh, in their nativity scene, the little statue of baby Jesus has been stolen. And they literally have like what like 12 hours or 20 hours or something before uh, Christmas Day because everyone in the church knows this baby Jesus. It doesn't cost much. It's worth a couple of bucks. It's the sentimental value. And so Frank Smith and Joe Friday go off on the case to try to find this stolen baby Jesus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> why, I wonder why you're laughing. I, I laughed a lot watching this it's, episode. It's not a comedy, though. <laughs> I know, but I mean, and again, it's just, I think it just goes back to that more innocent time kind of thing. But mm -hmm. one, the idea of any police force dedicating <laughs> two people for 12 hours focused on finding, I'm sorry, an obscenely large baby Jesus in respect to the rest of the nativity scene. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it just cracked me up because I mean, and it just, it was like, not like hilarious. It was just like kind of a heartwarming laugh because I said, wow, there was a time when people just accepted this. Like this was cool. Like this was, it was a time of more innocence. To yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then the priest was like, this is the only baby Jesus that people have known. And if we don't have this back, it's really going to like, I'm like, oh my God. Here's 10 bucks. Go buy a new one. Oh, well, okay. So, 
so I'm torn and confused a little bit because at the beginning of the episode, what does it always say on Dragnet? The names and places oh, have right. been changed to protect the innocent. This is based mm-hmm. on a true story. So right. was this really based on a true story? <laughs> because if so, that kind of shuts down Mo's argument about, you know, dedicating two policemen. And apparently somebody at some well, point said, shit, there's a baby Jesus missing. Send in the SWAT team. We've got to go find this statue. Well, the magic word in that statement is based. That doesn't mean it actually happens. It means something like it happened. And like then, somebody reported a baby Jesus stole and they said, okay, and they filed it away. Right. All right. That's, that's a Dragnet episode. Let's go. We'll talk about the episode, though. So to George's point, the reason I love this episode so much is because it's everything about Christmas. It's these little beacons of light and otherwise mundane stuff that are heartwarming. So you'll remember that midway through the episode, what you said, Moe's like, cops shouldn't be wasting their time on this. We have a sting going on. We got this stuff. And the chief tells them, you guys need to go off work on this other thing. He tells them, fine, you call the priest and tell him that we drop in the <laughs> <Yeah>. case. <laughs> and he goes, you know what? You guys go ahead and work it after all. He has, he has a little moment of like, maybe it's okay. The best part of that scene was after Friday and his partner leave, the police chief walked toward the camera and he gives that sly little smirk like, hmm, like I guess damn those it. guys are right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Jesus. Oh my God, that was so horrible. But I, I like the story. The storyline yeah. was cute and fun and if you could suspend your modern sensibilities, you could enjoy the story. But mm-hmm. oh my God, was the writing awful. The editing <laughs> was terrible. The acting was wooden as a board. I, it, I, it, it was 50s television. I mean, there wasn't that kind of sophistication. Mm. It wasn't motion pictures back then, really, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you can tell it was at the start of a new medium, I guess, was when these episodes I think were coming definitely out. Definitely early 50s. You're kidding? Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought the very beginning, though, is when I had my first laugh, when uh, he's filling out all the Christmas cards. Right. And he's like, oh, you got to get married. That's what you need a wife to do. The wife takes care of that. And you're cooking. And That's throughout <laughs> Dragnet. He's a confirmed yeah. bachelor. I know. But the sexism was just yeah, exactly. so thick. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and then they think they find a suspect and they yes. track down the suspect to this this uh, like men's shelter or home or the whatever. The home, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yes, this kid saw him leaving the church and he had a bundle wrapped up and they track him down and they arrest him and they bring him in for questioning. And it's even more sweet good-heartedness. That was his clothes so he could go be in the choir. He was also innocent. Yeah. And it's stuff you never see on Dragnet. I love that. And then they find out, they're like, oh, he's a sweetheart guy. Well, but the the other part of that too, though, was to Mo's point, they just totally believed everything he said. There was no hard questioning or anything. It's like, <laughs> come on, tell me what's going on. Come on, tell me what's going on. All right, what was in the package? It was my pants. Okay, you're free to go. What the hell? There's no <laughs> policeman in history that has ever said, oh, it was your pants. You can go ahead and leave. <laughs> <laughs> right. Can you produce the pants? Can you prove it? Can we get your fingerprints? Right, I didn't do all that. He had an honest face, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> More innocent time, for sure. Wow. Well, and so finally, the, the linchpin of this is, if you look at it in like total stark just generic eyes. It was a waste of an episode because we find out at the end that the baby Jesus one was not actually missing. They go back to the to the priest to let yeah. him know that listen, that, that it's it's late at night. We're not going to find it. We'll keep looking. You know, next week maybe we'll locate it. And they're about to walk out. And from way at the end of the pews, this little <laughs> kid with a red wagon comes squeaking <laughs> yeah. up the aisles on this painfully long shot. Oh squeak, my god! Squeak, it took squeak, forever squeak, for this kid squeak, to walk squeak, up. Squeak, squeak. <laughs> 
And he had the baby Jesus in his wagon because he'd prayed to the baby Jesus for a wagon. He got a wagon and he promised he'd give the baby Jesus the first ride. And so he'd had it the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and that whole segment is all in Spanish. You know, people in 1953 had to be losing their minds. What's he saying? <laughs> I can't understand it. What the hell is he saying? Something's wrong with the TV. Why speaking American? Damn it. Jesus Cristo. I got that part in there. I know that part's right. <laughs> oh, so my first one was Dragnet. Did, did you guys enjoy this one? I mean, it was. Oh, it was fun. It was an fun odd Christmas it. episode. Well, got a lot of laughs. What'd you think, yeah. George? Yeah, I mean, it was fun. I didn't laugh, laugh so much like Mo did, but I, I don't know. It was kind of like I got to watch this hokey shit from 1953 for my Gen X episode. Okay, fine, I'll watch it. But then it really. I'll say the story pulled me through all the way, yeah, which was that's a good point. Good, oh, good nice. okay, for good. that era of TV. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely cute. And, and a favorite of mine. It's, I won't say I want to watch every Christmas, but every time I see it's up or it pops up on a feed, I'll watch it again. Yeah. That's the only reason why we're talking about this damn episode right now is because it was a favorite of yours. <laughs> that's right. I win. <laughs> I got to pick a couple. There's more for your Christmas at Sears. Save $20 on this Craftsman Timing Light, now just $29.99. This special purchase one-and-a-half-ton floor jack is only $29.99. This exercise bike with speedometer, just $99.99. And this cassette car stereo with coaxial speakers is $99.99. So wrap up a beautiful Christmas. Here's more for your life at Sears. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so we're moving on into the 70s era now mm, TV yep. shows, which I guess you guys wanted me to do because I'm oldest or something. I don't know. I don't know uh, how I feel about that, but if okay. you good feel that that's what happened... I say we go with it. <laughs> okay. I want to start with one of my favorite episodes, one of my favorite shows of all time, which was Taxi. I love that oh, show. Thank you very much. <laughs> and they had a, uh, a Christmas episode called A Full House for Christmas. Danny DeVito's character, Louie, you know, his brother's in town and he's basically trying to get his brother to take some responsibility for their mom. And it winds up becoming like this whole poker game because his brother's a gambler. And they basically play poker, but the stakes are him taking his mom <laughs> for a while for Christmas. Right. To, to Vegas, where he lives. To Vegas, right? where to, he lives. To, to, so that was actually the stakes. It was like, it was just so wrong. But if you watch the show at all, and think about Louie, you know, that's pro totally appropriate. Now, this was early first season. D yeah. Did, have they established that Louie even had a brother yet or he just popped in? No, he just popped in. Okay. So yeah. this is one of those that some of them on our list, they're Christmas episodes for sure. But the Christmas thread is not so much the holidays. It's just how people get along and like family struggles sometimes during Christmas. I found this a depressing episode. Like his brother was such a jerk to their mom oh, yeah. and like he wouldn't even spend time with her he stopped by for 10 minutes and came back to the taxi stand to 
play cards. Yeah. I'll tell you why, for me, this was a depressing episode. There was no Andy Kaufman. John, you did a little quip at the beginning. There's no Andy yeah. Kaufman in this episode. Now, before he was there. I'm not a taxi fan at all, as Mo is. <laughs> I mean, I, I know right. of the show, and I've watched an episode here or there, but I wasn't like a huge uber fan that i watched every single one of them but i agree with you john this it wasn't that the episode was depressing it to me honestly and mo i hate to say because i know it's one of your favorite shows it was just <laughs> kind of boring for me and i don't know if it's because there was no andy kaufman or because judd hirsch didn't really do a whole lot in the episode uh, i mean danny devito's a hell of an actor i love him in almost yeah. everything i don't think he carried the episode well well this is pre-latka uh, okay. like you said so yeah you know, that, that character wasn't in yet but that's kind of how taxi was it was very dry as a show. It was it was, was just it? guys okay. sitting around a garage. It, it had spikes, I think, but it wasn't like a dramatic powerhouse. It was more of kind of, am I right? Or what am I no, reading in the taxi? I was also it, not a super fan, Mo. No, it was kind of like, on the, I put it on the same level. It's kind of like a Barney Miller sort of show. It's about the characters more so. Yeah, yeah. It's almost a drama. It's barely a comedy sometimes. I see, I enjoy this one because one, it was like, Elaine, she's like trying to get them to like get into the Christmas spirit. And she's trying to have the whole party and all that stuff. And she's like, you get a love your gifts you got you know you guys do you know exchange gifts don't you and then the guy's like i guess we do now yeah <laughs> yeah but they, and that was my point though they kind of they had great little segments like that but then they threw it away with no payoff at the end there's just a scene where they're opening gifts but there's no mm -hmm. comedy or yeah. payoff to that joke that she delivered earlier the part that i liked the most was the little choir that came in that louis was oh yeah getting uh, money off of <laughs> yeah at least that one had some payoff to it you know it was like they it come was. in they sing the kid immediately starts passing the hat and then louis taking the money from him here's your cut mr louis or whatever. here's your yeah. cut <laughs> yes that was great the, now that showed more character of danny devito than anything the fact that he'd arranged for these kids to come in and sing and then right. to, to take a cut off the top that was great and did louis really like his mom or did he hate her i i was so confused that was the relationship yeah the relationship was very weird he talks about how much he doesn't like her but you do you see these moments like he lives with her but he takes care of her i was confused was he genuinely wanting her to go to Vegas so she would have a good time or did he want her to go to Vegas because he wanted to get rid of her I, no, I, I couldn't I figure think it was that for out her. I, think it was I, I picked yeah. up on it was from her I, from what I know about Taxi he actually loves his mom but they fight all the time and he really wanted her and his brother to have a better relationship I don't think it was nefarious right they said and that's, and that's the thing about it is like his character is probably one of the more complex characters on the show because you know he definitely comes across as a, basically a jerk and he has moments like he said takes a cut off the top from the choir and stuff like that mm -hmm. which is totally yeah but his little moments yeah. He has his moment, but relationship with his mom is always like an ongoing thing, which is they fight, they yell, he yells at her, he calls her names. But, you know, when it comes down to it, though, he's is responsible for her. He takes care of her. He loves her. It's a very weird and very complex relationship, I think. And I tell you one thing, at least there was a Christmas miracle in this episode, because if anybody were to believe that Judd Hirsch could win at poker, <laughs> holy hell, <laughs> that guy's got to be the worst poker player ever. Oh, my God. Five card stuff. Oh, I don't know what I got. He's betting all this money. You know he's got trips. Come on. <laughs> he's literally bet everything he owns and half of what Louis owns. Right? right. It's, like, it's all in the, in the pot. All right. So, John, what was your favorite? So, 
So while we're in the 70s, another one of my favorite shows, and I don't use that term lightly, I literally watch this show a couple times a week today. It's the Bob Newhart show. Mm. First Bob Newhart, that show. a comic genius in his own right. He got his own vehicle in the, uh, in the early 70s. But there's this episode from the fourth season that's called <laughs> Bob Has to Have His Tonsils Out So He Spends Christmas Eve in the Hospital. <laughs> when you gave that, me that, that is title, accurate. That's, when you gave me that title, I was like, is that the actual title or is that the that's description? Right. Are you I, describing I, it? I didn't think it was <laughs> either. I was it's trying both. to find the episode. I'm yeah, like, surely too. that's just a dis- John, can you tell me the title? No, no, that's it. <laughs> that's the title. I've told you what the episode's about, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> he has a little scratch in his throat and it's Christmas time and it's his favorite time of the year. And everybody is talking about all the great things that are happening for Christmas, but he's going to be in the hospital. And unlike the taxi episode, which to me felt very, very dry, this episode, though it's barely Christmas, it just happens around Christmas time. Time. It is an hilarious episode that's full of running gags and great comedic acting. Of course, Bob and Emily, you know, the the primaries. And then you have Howard Borden and Jerry Robinson, their neighbor and the dentist who are, they're like the Scrooges in this, like they're arguing about Christmas all throughout yeah. the time. And then there's this old lady in the hospital named oh, Mrs. Loomis. she was fantastic. She was funny. <laughs> She's been several times in this series, she used to be a patient of Bob Newhart and keeps calling everyone who walks in Mr. Henderson. <laughs> hey, Mr. <laughs> Henderson, why are you? And ultimately, it's this, it's another Bob is upset about not having Christmas, but because all his family and friends come in, he actually has a good time and ends up going up and into the children's ward and seeing the kids and that kind of thing. He makes the best of it in the hospital. I just find it a heartwarming episode and hilarious. One thing, I mean, my dad loved this show. I mean, it was, like, mm-hmm. it was always like when it came on, we watched it. So I wound up watching it. And I wound up loved. The thing is, when I watched it as a kid, I don't think I really appreciated just mm-hmm. like how amazing the timing, the comedic timing on that show. That's Bob Newhart. <laughs> when the, yeah, when the, and the other thing I just noticed was like how the circle of people around Bob Newhart, they actually mm-hmm. reminded me of Seinfeld, like very egotistical, very self-centered. Huh. I've never thought of that before. I guess maybe. Yeah. No, I mean, like now Bob Newhart is like the moral kind of moral center, I think, but the rest of people seem like they have very little morals actually um, i enjoyed re-watching that one that i hadn't seen that one in god knows decades what'd you think of this one george had you seen this before and if so what'd you think of it uh, so bob newhart was a show that my father would watch occasionally wasn't like you know oh it's appointment tv type of thing but uh-huh. i never and john i know you're gonna hate this i don't like bob <laughs> newhart as a comedian i don't think really? he's very okay. good no i don't like his shows uh his second run show where he was the innkeeper that one yeah. i enjoyed a little bit more but it wasn't because of him it was because of the other people in the show see i didn't care for that one at all actually (laughs) right (laughs) yeah this show to me is just too dry for me you you mentioned that you know it wasn't as dry as taxi i felt this was drier than taxi really yeah i really didn't enjoy not much about the episode um the only two characters that i liked and that the that had some funny lines to me were the old lady and then his patient the guy who's psycho and writing down lists and everything oh yeah he's right yep yep are the only reason why i halfway enjoyed the episode at all it's not a christmas episode i don't care what anybody says it just happens to happen at christmas that's during christmas season that's it it's definitely not a christmas episode and i think we will find that in a lot of these episodes as we're going forward that 
Not all of them are Christmas episodes. They just happen to be the episode that was on around Christmas. So somebody threw up some trees and some lights and maybe a Santa Claus into the story that was already written. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So while we're in the 70s, George, did you have one that you picked that fit I did. this kind of realm? Okay, go for I it. I did. It wasn't just me, though. I think Mo also had this one as one yeah, of the items on his list. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. It's The Jeffersons, mm -hmm. Season 4, Episode 15. And I'm going to give you the title, 984 West 124th mm. Street, Apartment 5C. That's not an I mean, that is an address, but that's Another also the title, title of the episode. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I Sherman Helmsley, I think is one of the most underrated actors of the 70s. This is the only episode on the list that when I got done watching the episode, I noticed I had been crying. Me too. Very powerful, very moving. Yeah, yep. it was. Absolutely a Christmas story involved in this one. This is not one of those that they just happen to have some decorations. I thought there were some great running gags throughout the whole thing. The maid drinking the eggnog through the whole thing. I think you're yeah. going to have to bring them to the eggnog. That'll be a lot easier than me carrying <laughs> it out to them. And the doorman coming up and saying, I noticed you haven't got me my Christmas gift yet. I just wanted to give you this list. Yeah. I want to say save you the burden of bringing it downstairs to me or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. How about if I just give you cash? That's the top of my list right here. <laughs> so if somebody listening hasn't seen this episode, like I hadn't before we prepared for this, describe the premise, what's happening in this uh, 984 sure. West 124th episode. So the Jeffersons are celebrating Christmas, as I stated, with all their family and friends around. And one of Mr. Jefferson's workers comes to drop off some stuff at the house. And he also lets slip that he's going to make another delivery run for Mr. Jefferson to this address somewhere in Harlem. Mm -hmm. And of course, George's wife, Wheezy, gets really upset because she wants to know why are we sending stuff to this uh, other address? And George makes up all these excuses. Oh, it's a tax thing for my lawyer to do. <laughs> I have to give this money yeah. over to this other thing. And then, oh, there was a Christmas tree that was delivered to this place as well. And oh, look, the worker dropped off a present that was supposed to be delivered. So George leaves in the middle of the Christmas party to go deliver this gift. And she's losing in her mind yeah. she is convinced that he has cheated on her has of a mistress's house or something yeah yep. yeah yeah and, and that's what they're leading you to believe as an mm -hmm. audience too you're expecting like he, instead of like just being honest about it he plays like he's very secretive and it's very hush hush and oh, oh no you didn't hear that and he, they play it up like that's what you think is gonna happen and there's good reason because there's an embarrassment factor that george jefferson feels right and he doesn't want to let that slip because if you've watched the show, you know, George Jefferson's ego oh, yeah. is what drives his success in the way he lives. And that's mm. prevalent throughout the entire series. So he ends up dropping off this gift. Wheezy follows him as any good wife crazy would do. <laughs> oh, you got to stalk yeah. him. Naturally. <laughs> it's Christmas, heaven's sake. And a little boy <laughs> opens the door when he hears them shouting outside. And he's like, who are you guys? And, oh, we're just visiting friends that live here. And then he sees the present that George dropped off the door. Look, mom, another present got dropped off. And she's like, what the hell? They end up getting invited into the house, which has a family living in it, a husband, wife, and yeah. child. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that George Jefferson used to live in that exact apartment himself when he was a child. I'm getting chills as you tell this part of the story. Yeah. I'm getting chills. I know, right? <laughs> he made a promise to himself that if he ever made it big, there would never be another bad Christmas in that apartment. So that he has apartment. been sending money. <laughs> he has been sending Christmas trees. He has been sending gifts 
to that apartment anonymously for years right. yeah. since his dry cleaning business took off. I, I love this episode. Mm-hmm. Because one, if you ever watch the Jeffersons, it's not a heavy show normally. No, not normally. Like sure, comedy, yeah. it's comedy. Like you said, like a lot of the running gags are basically most of the other shows. It's just these running gags. It's one of the pure comedies on our list for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so for this one though, to see that other side of George Jefferson, you know, it's like a kind of a peek behind the curtain of his personality. Like this is all like a yeah, facade kind right. of thing. Like his ego and all that is just like a front. And you kind of see like, this is a guy with a lot of heart with more behind him than just like this big mouth, bigger than life kind of character. And it's not a Scrooge story because what it ultimately shows is he's not a Scrooge. He puts no, on a Scrooge facade, yeah. but he has a warm heart and he's trying to pay it forward. And that's that thing. It's like showing the the tenderness and the sweetness and the thoughtfulness and the giving that I think makes this a really good Christmas episode. And, you know, and I loved it too. His reveal to Wheezy too, the emotions that played across his face yeah. when he did mm-hmm. that reveal, that's when I first really started tearing up in this episode. And I couldn't stop from that point forward. That man, Sherman Helmsley, I don't know if he did or didn't, but he definitely deserved an Emmy win for this episode alone. That episode, yeah. I loved that series. That was one of my favorite series growing up as a kid, so that's why I probably enjoyed this episode so much. But I I think he knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I agree. And for a character who, like you said, he's built on ego and braggadocio. Mm -hmm. and, And for him to be, I do not want the credit. I do not want to tell these people. This is a promise I'm keeping to myself. Yep. So let it go and it yeah it was what a great christmas story it's i've added it to my regular roster of christmas episodes thank you for suggesting it <laughs> on the first day of christmas i left the hallmark store with the stuffed toy named rodney reindeer on the next day i bought Rhonda, and then i added more now five to the song before dance with Rhonda. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. It is time now to hit up the main decade of the Gen X experience, and that is the <laughs> 80s. And we have a couple of items on this list that were suggested both by Mo. So I'm going to let him start, but I don't think there's any doubt that all three of us watch these series during this oh, time yeah. period. Yep. yep. Oh, yeah. What's your first For one, sure. Mo? Oh, the first one was Night Court. Part of that Thursday night lineup, I mm-hmm. never missed an right. episode of that one. And it was one in season one, episode two, back in 1984. It was called Santa Goes Downtown. <sighs> yep. This is a great episode. This is basically oh. Miracle on 34th Street happening on Night Court. With a little bit of like insanity. With a little insanity. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys know Night Court. It's so basically his, his normal caseload are like prostitutes and insane people and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And there's a guy who 
comes up and he says he's Santa Claus. Right. Yep. He's arrested for vagrancy, essentially. Yep. And so that, and the thing that made it this episode kind of cool was that one. Well, Mike J. Fox is in it. Yeah. But which I thought he did a really great job. It was like he, he's another one. I think it was kind of a underrated as an actor. Like everyone sees him as, you know, the Back to the Future and that kind of stuff. But he I thought he did a really great job in this in this particular episode. Well, he was just playing a punk and he was a yeah. young punk at that time. So it wasn't mm-hmm. a big stretch. That's true. That's true. <laughs> no, no, but he's but his personality, if you've seen Michael J. Fox in interviews and stuff he's done later, he's not the jerk type of guy. He's actually no. a very nice, humble very, individual. Right, right, right. Yep. And yep. he played a complete burnout jerk asshole type of character in this episode. I thought he, he did a well. fine job with it. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing I guess you like said that whole Miracle on 34th Street kind of vibe to it is that at first, everyone's always like, oh, insane. He's crazy. Everyone kind of assumes that. Of course, you know Harry Anderson's character kind of like plays into it because you know he's, he's kind of humoring nice him a little bit. Yeah, humors him a little bit. Play along some. He's, he's being kind, basically. Right. He basically. knows it's not Santa, but he's being kind to this old man. Right. Yeah. Then like these little nuggets of like information or things kind of this guy drops and got and has yeah, like, like he everybody knows stuff he's not supposed to know about right. everybody can figure out how he knows it. Like they keep saying, oh well, maybe he called or overheard this conversation or got a hold of right. that file or something. Like, no, he's just sitting there waiting his turn and everything. To me, it was a really great episode. And I think it's important to point out that this was episode number two of the entire series. It was the second one, right. This was season one, episode two. Yeah. And this actually aired in January. If you remember, the premise of the story was, so later, a doctor comes and says he left he, this yeah. mental care facility. Right. He leaves every year just before Christmas, and we don't get him back till February. So, like, maybe he is out <laughs> being Santa, right? Yeah, he just lives at this mental home. <laughs> he has that heart episode, and the doctor comes in and takes care of him. And as he's leaving, he goes, how'd you like that putter your wife got you? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Harry is like, well, what else is a doctor going to get for Christmas? Of course he got a putter, right? It's right. All these reasons he might not be, but. Well, and then there's the whole reveal about knowing the kids' names. He's like, let me look at that file. And he looks at Michael J. Fox and the other uh, young ladies' names in the file. And then he starts talking to them. And they're like, how did you know my name? Blah, blah, blah. And it's this big, you know, see. And then as he's leaving, they yep. open up the file and they read that the names are completely different in the file right that he then he said which he got right and everybody's like he actually did know it all yes right. <laughs> yep and a little subtle thing too he points out that he says well you know i really start working hard in march i take january and february off and then i start working hard in march and if the doctor is accurate saying we don't usually get him back until february or march and i'm like oh right. he's working hard in the insane asylum <laughs> yeah yep. Oh, yep that's cute yeah. yep. and i also noticed this had the same santa mythology as as the Tim Allen series, The Santa Claus, with an E, the concept that he's the current Santa until mm. someone else, oh, they yeah, pass on yeah, the yeah. mantle and do something else. Same idea in that film that initiated in your night court, that idea that Santa is who's currently Santa, like the king or who's earned it or who's wearing the mantle. But mm-hmm. by the end, you're left to believe that this Maybe? very kind old drunk <laughs> just might be Santa. Might be Santa. And one, I just, the late, great Harry Anderson and all that, you know, just seeing that whole cast, because I think that was just an amazing ensemble cast that they put together for that show. And so the second one I picked from the 80s is uh, Roseanne. I mean, <laughs> and this, was, this aired on uh, season six in 1988, I think it was. And it was the White Trash Christmas. Mm. And, <laughs> and so. Okay. This, now. No, I'm, just, 
I, I love this episode. I don't know why. Well, actually, I do know why. They, <laughs> because the basic premise is that, you know, it's Christmas. As usual, they overdo, like the holidays, like Roseanne and the holidays, they always overdo, like Halloween and Christmas, they overdo it, right? And they get a letter from their neighborhood saying that their <laughs> decorations are uh, tacky, I guess they're trying to put nicely. The, so the Homeowners Association, <laughs> yeah. who, who I also have a tenuous love-hate relationship with Me in too. my own home, <laughs> sent them a letter that said, uh, just tasteful white lights this year, please, right? Yeah. <laughs> None of the stuff that we've seen in the past, and as they're reading it, it's the stuff they've got laid yeah, out in their living room ready yeah. to put up. And I love it because their reaction isn't, yeah, we're going to do this. They're like, we're going to go the other way. They saw it as a challenge. Like, yeah, how right. audacious can we be? And I love how during the whole episode, they keep bringing like, oh, guess what I got? It just, just gets worse oh, and worse. The and neon worse. light she put up on the side of the house was yeah. perfect. I don't know who in like the from department found that bar item. or something. Yeah. Oh, my God. Was that like, was so awesome. It was awesome. a gauntlet town. I'm like, oh, this is great. And so and the reason why I love this one is it reminds me of like my first Christmas in my house. And so with the kids and, so, you know, with kids are little and all that stuff. So I said, oh, I'm going to put Christmas lights up. And so I put Christmas lights up and da, da, da And then my neighbor put Christmas lights up. And he put the same thing that I had plus one additional thing. <laughs> Do you have a decoration off with your neighbor? Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. And so I I was like, well, we can't have that. This is the first crystal. I bought like one of those snow globe Santa inflatable things from my yard. Yep. He bought like <laughs> animatronic reindeer. And so and so this, this went on for the entire like two weeks going up to Christmas. It was so bad at the <laughs> when I turned my lights on Christmas Eve, you could literally read in my front yard at night. <laughs> it was so bright. I had so many. I want to tell you what my electric bill was. I had so we between the two of us, I think we were rerouting birds. I mean, we had so many. I lights. think that's important to make a point that the Roseanne episode, White Trash Christmas, it wasn't that it was a Christmas miracle type of story. It was a nope. here's what really happens in America on Christmas for a large portion of the population, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what made it a Christmas episode. You're right. The whole A story had nothing to do with Christmas. It had to do with with a check and tuition and how you're gonna spend this money right. and, and mm -hmm. getting education versus investing or whatever, you know, in somebody else's future. The B story was the Christmas story that had to do with gradually adding lights. There was a C story as well with Darlene being away at college and little, oh, yes. uh, right. little oh, brother yeah. that too. finding out that she's living with her boyfriend and stuff. I right. mean, yep. they threw a lot of stuff in this episode and I thought they blended it together very well. Now, I'm not saying it's a Christmas episode in the traditional sense of the Jefferson's style sure. of Christmas episode, yeah, no, but no. it is definitely a Christmas episode because yes. of the way they focused on what families go through during holiday times, which are often stressful for a large portion of the population. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. It's, it's often about, you know, money and interpersonal and stuff like that. That's why they say that the holidays are such a stressful time of year, mm -hmm. because it's not just about what you see on the surface and what's at the mall. You're right. But, you know, what? I, I love at least the kicker to this episode. Definitely the funniest part was the payoff for all the decorations. When they walk outside to turn it on, and it's a shot from inside the house, oh. and it looks like Close Encounters of the Third Game <laughs> <laughs> like spotlights yeah. in the house. They must have put in a fog machine so the light would fill the room. It would just look ridiculous and hilarious. And that was the ending shot, which I love. Yeah, that was great. Like, I want to see the follow-up what the Homeowners Association had to say to them after that. That's what I'd love to know. <laughs> just wait, lights this year. Merry Christmas, Merry Merry Christmas from your Kmart Christmas store. Save on sweaters and on hats, bowling balls and baseball bats. 
cameras, TVs, bikes, and plants, goldfish, bad boys, slippers, pants, beerless dresses, perfume socks, toasters, roasters, robes, and clocks, candy records, films, and toys, and Santa land for girls and boys. Christmas smiles on every face at Kmart's Christmas saving place. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. We've made our way up into the 90s now uh, and later, even some more modern shows. We mentioned at the top that this is not a trend that went away. Even modern shows tend to still do Christmas episodes just yeah. because it's such rich mythology to mine and all the themes of Christmas and stuff. And and George, as our youngest Gen X grown up, you picked a couple of great ones from the 90s and beyond here. So why don't you give us your first one, which is a series that you have watched over and over and over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I um, tried to look through my Plex server because you can look at how many times a thing's been viewed and stuff. And oh, yeah. on my Plex server, it's apparently beyond its capacity to see how many times I've watched this series. <laughs> I've run, I've, I've cycled the list, I guess. I don't know how many entries you are rolled it over. Yeah. yeah, we're talking about The Office, the U.S. version of The Office. I love right. that series, as you know. And they had multiple Christmas episodes throughout yeah, yeah. that series. It was nine seasons worth of just total hilarity. I picked one from season three called A Benihana Christmas. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Just the title. Just I know. Thinking, I was just thinking about the episode. Makes me laugh, though. It's it was a funny right. one. Yeah, yeah. In the early part of the episode, Steve Carell's character, his current girlfriend of the time, who was his former real estate agent, she breaks up with him, <laughs> and an ugly breakup too, because the man decided to Photoshop his face into a Christmas card with her ex-husband and her children on a ski trip. He just put his face over her ex-husband's face and said, what you didn't realize was that I was there with you in your heart. And she's like, no, in your you're heart. fucking yeah. creepy. This is over. I'm done. So unfortunately for him, he has bought two tickets to sandals, all inclusive. You know what that means? <laughs> you know? And he wants to take her on this trip out of nowhere. You know, he's only been dating her for like a few weeks. He's already proposed to her in a previous episode. It's awful. At the same time, the <laughs> office is doing a toy collection drive and they're going to have their Christmas party, which that gets really weird toward the end of the episode. The reason why it's called a Benihana Christmas, though, is because Andy, who wants to take Steve Carell's character mm -hmm. out right. for, you know, make him feel better at lunch. He takes him to the best restaurant on the planet, Benihana. Benihana's. <laughs> they pick up two waitresses, bring them back to the party. The waitresses look so similar and Steve Carell is so drunk <laughs> that he can't tell them apart. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes oh, it was so oh, wrong but so funny for all the hilarity of that and and like the racial insensitivity and the, mm -hmm. the awkwardness of all of that and then layered on top of it or behind it or however you want to look at there's the the two office parties which is yes. actually my favorite part of the show mm -hmm. the benihana part was secondary to me funny but secondary 
the two office parties. You have the party planning committee. Oh my God. And then there's a splinter faction, which is the, the committee to plan committee parties. for planning parties. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're holding a separate one that's going to have all the discarded ideas that didn't make the planning committee from Angela, right? They're going to have drinks. They're going to have karaoke. They're going to have dancing, all the things that right. aren't in the official party. Because Angela's running it her way and she just totally stomps on Karen, who is yep. at the time Jim's girlfriend from the other branch after they've merged. And she's just stomped on all her ideas. So Pam, who feels bad for her and wants to make a good showing of being friends with her and Jim, says, well, let's form our own committee. And so they have the fun party. And of course, Angela has the very austere nutcracker very dry party, party. right yeah. there's like three people at her party and she won't give him another cupcake because not so everyone's had one and there's nobody else there kevin has one of the best lines in the episode when he's like so there's two parties but one of them has fudge brownies and but it also has angela fudge he's, brownies, he's weighing his options angela angela fudge brownies, fudge brownies. angela <laughs> And he's like just shaking his head with this impossible conundrum of what to do. And then, but finally, there's a heartwarming end. Like, it, actually, the second party was almost done out of spite. Yeah, it was. But, it was completely oh, it was. out of totally spite. Was. But then they're like, you know what? Those people on Christmas are actually having a bad time because the party didn't go well. They come and offer an olive branch and go, Angela, would you be interested in merging the mm-hmm. two parties? And yes. she's like, I'll entertain it. Like, you know, she wants to. She's dying <laughs> yeah. to, but she can't let it let it be known that she's dying to. And it ends up being heartwarming, except for the fact that Michael loses yet another girlfriend and right. picks up a third. He, well, the, yeah, uh, he, he, so he, he loses one girlfriend. He kind of has a pseudo, what he calls a rebound. He rebounds with the Benny Hanna waitress that he has to mark her arm to tell her <laughs> apart from the other one. <laughs> And then he makes a phone call at the end of the episode who, if you've watched the rest of the series, no spoilers, you know, he calls his former boss. Right. And he asks her to go to Sandals with him. And it starts a whole new crazy storyline. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I love, John, you mentioned about her merging the parties and Angela being reticent. And then she asks him, well, I don't know. Does your karaoke machine have Christmas songs? And they're like, yes, it does. But we can't use it because there's no power cord. She's like, I might have seen it. (laughs) She walks out and she stuck it in a plant in the office. Does it look like this one? Yeah, that might be it. (laughs) She'd sabotage the karaoke. Oh, Mo, what did you think of it, though? Oh, I mean, I love The Office, too. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've watched that series. And this one, though, I mean, the, the one about marking the arm, though, it was so wrong and so funny that <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't, it was like, it was painful, which that show has a lot of painful moments to watch, right? Especially, you know, like some of you like, I can't watch this, but I have to watch it because it's like a train wreck that you're just, you know, it's just going that way. It's like you almost feel guilty for laughing at it, you know? Yeah, exactly. But it was hilarious. Yeah. And to be fair, those two actresses did look a lot alike. They were well, a similar you. body they, shape. They, they, yeah, they yeah. did. <laughs> no, they did. Anyway, they... <laughs> Just joking. I'm just joking. One of them had bangs. The other one didn't. That was the only difference that I could figure out. Other than that, absolute twins. (laughs) Okay, Michael. (laughs) But then like the whole idea is like sticking with the Christmas themes, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea at the end was like, it's about together. It's about being a a family and, you know, merging the parties, I think was that kind of representation of that. And all the episodes I really enjoyed, but that one I particularly enjoyed. Yeah. And they made a 
point of running those Christmas stories every season almost, even to the point of the final season when Dwight finally got his Christmas, his Christmas story to right. happen, you yeah, know, yeah, what yeah. he wanted. Right. He his mentions all the other Christmas episodes, their themes. He mentions those when oh, he's he? begging to have oh, his yeah. own in ah, season nine. Right. And he said, you, you got this and you got this, right? Yep. Yeah. And I love that about The Office, that they carry jokes all the way through all nine seasons. Well, it's a payoff for sticking around. Yeah. Yeah. You can watch this episode <laughs> and enjoy it. But if you continue to watch the rest of the series, you get to enjoy it over and over again because they keep the themes running. I think that was what was so great about The Office. Now, my second pick didn't do that at all, really. But <laughs> I think this is another one of those that is in the Christmas miracle sense of a Christmas TV episode. Well, and this is a series that is purely a Gen X series. Man, Absolutely. is it Gen X. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air from season four, 1993. <laughs> Sorry, just, uh, just no. the idea that that was Will Smith's acting start uh, yep. is boggles the imagination. He kicked ass. That's all I'm going to say. He, he uh, obviously developed a career out of still it. Still watching it. I mean, <laughs> you can be suspicious of that statement, but the man is a multi-billion dollar actor now. Oh, no, so. no, 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 no. Even he admits that when he did like the first few seasons of this show, how horrible he was. Yeah, but he developed it. He wasn't an oh, actor no, no. before. Actually, he, he was had... learning on the job. Well, yep. actually, he went to classes too. I think he like took it, like he didn't want to be embarrassed. Oh, he did. Like, that's, yeah. that's why he became a better actor. But it just cracks me up, though, when you watch these seasons. You're like, oh, my God, this is the guy who played Ali. Yeah. <laughs> it's yep. like. But know. he had charisma out of the gate. Yeah, oh, absolutely. He did. Absolutely. And this was from season four. It was called Twas the Night Before Christening. Mm-hmm. And right. so this one starts off as a flashback episode. It's the only one on the list, I think, that does. Uncle Phil is talking to his youngest child at this point, And the little child is about to go to sleep. And he says, tell me the story about the four middle names again. And you're like, what the hell is this kid talking about? <laughs> little Nicky. And he's says, you've heard this a million times. Yeah, but I'll, I forget like a little child would to get a story. <laughs> yeah. So the whole episode is themed around the fact that right before Nicky's christening, when he's a very young child, all the family members are getting him gifts, including even the butler who's getting mm-hmm. these great gifts. And Will gets him this little cheap thing that he's embarrassed to give to him now that right. everybody, I mean, even uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff gives him a Rolex that he, Santa left in the washroom, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so he's so embarrassed that he makes this crazy statement that he got boys to men to sing at this child's christening because, of course, he's from West Philly, Philadelphia, yeah. born and raised. Boys to men are from Philadelphia, and he says they knew each other, which is all a big lie at that point. Other people overhear him, and so they all start making plans and arrangements around boys to men being at this christening, and he's like, I don't know what to do. Well, by a miracle, boys to men are recording a studio album in Los Angeles at that time. <laughs> really and he somehow <laughs> sneaks into the studio and turns out he knows boys to men, but not in the way he wanted to. Apparently, he stole a girlfriend from one of the boys to men group. <laughs> so they want nothing to do with him. Right. Yep. Oh, man. So he has to sneak back in as Santa so they don't recognize yeah. him to right. finally ask him. This child desperately you know, wants to have boys to men perform there. 
very much like the dragnet we talked about at the beginning. He's <laughs> resigned that it's not going to happen. We're not going to find the baby Jesus. Mm-hmm. He came to apologize. And at the end, so he's standing up saying, you know, I, I, I said I was going to have boys to men here, but I just have to let you know. And then boom. Yeah. They start singing in the back of the room, and they did show up. Yeah, and as they walk by the uh, the face <laughs> of the group, he says, "Merry Christmas, Will." Merry Christmas. Yeah, you know, and everybody's <laughs> shaking great. Will's hand and everything. The whole time, though, there's the voiceovers of Uncle Phil, who you know, I'm sad that that actor has passed away. James Avery, right. I believe, Tell is that his story. Name. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. such a sad that because he was such a good person, according to everybody who's talked about him in interviews since. And he's doing the voiceovers the whole time. You know, Will really stuck his foot in his mouth this time, and <laughs> yeah, you know, yes, all this stuff, right. And at the very end of the episode, you know, they come back and he's like, the butler gets named the godson because the two aunts are fighting over who's going to be the godmother. And so, you know, just out of nowhere, they name the the butler. That's his Christmas gift, his Christmas miracle. Right. And the little boy gets to, you know, he says, can I see my godfather now? And so the butler comes in and <laughs> Jeffrey's like, right. you know, hey, little Nikki, Merry Christmas to you, too. And he's like, now go get me some milk and cookies. <laughs> Like, you're still the butler, man. <laughs> With Pillsbury sugar cookies, you can help kids create their own Christmas treats. I made a little angel. Actually, my mommy helped. It was easy. This Santa has a problem. My Santa's cheeks got chubby in the oven. You know how I made it? Frosting and gumdrops. The wing broke off and I ate it. Everyone loves Pillsbury cookies, fresh and hot. Eating's the best, no problem. If there was anything in this show you'd like to learn more about, the show notes which accompany each episode are full of links to click and explore. Catch up on past episodes and get pinged every time a new one's released by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And you know, iTunes reviews help more than you know, so if you haven't yet, please rate and review us in the iTunes app. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us, they'll thank you later. You're our fourth listener, and we'd love to read your emails right here on the show, so hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is more than just this podcast. Our YouTube channel has hundreds of videos ready for you to enjoy, plus you can find our entire body of work on genxgrownup.com. Well, that's going to wind up our look back at some of these great old Christmas-themed episodes of old television <laughs> shows. And uh, there were hundreds to pick from. If uh, there was one in there oh, that you really like, I hope you'll write us and let us know. Or if there's one you'd like to hear about in the future, we, I, we might address this again in the future. What were your yeah. favorite Christmas episodes of shows? We'd love to hear from you. Like any good Christmas gift, before I put a bow on this episode, uh, no? uh, yeah. oh, God. <laughs> I'd love to take just a second here to express our heartfelt gratitude to all of the patrons who support us financially over on patreon.com each and every one of these amazing folks throughout the year have supported us and i want to give you here at the end of the year our heartfelt gratitude and thank you each individually levi mark david travis slow-mo arlem adam sean matt john with an h butter spider thomas chad mike c jason stew monkey t2 marcus lee dan shelby agile tony steen greg z chet greg l blasted stash at ben stubaka davis and dana Thank you so much for your support all throughout this year and beyond. If you would like to join this roster of amazing Gen X grown-up supporters, Mo, would you tell them how they can get that done? No, sure. I would like to say it's tax deductible, but it's not. But you can do is go to <laughs> go to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. It'll take you right to the site. 
from there you kind of pick whatever level you feel comfortable giving mm -hmm. the more you give the more options you have you know we have lots of like behind the scenes and all sorts of outtakes and special episodes that we have for our patrons right and also we have the, even our highest tier level which you know you actually kind of talk to us on a more regular basis and help influence the show going forward mm -hmm. yep. so like i said but again we appreciate every single person and any yeah, amount that anybody can give especially these days so it's it's just great to feel that we have that kind of support yep agreed that is going to wrap it up for this episode we'll be back in two weeks with another backtrack but next week with our regular edition of our show until then i am john mo thank you so much for being here always fun man george you know i appreciate you man yes sir and fourth listener it's you we all appreciate most of all and we will talk to you next time bye-bye see you guys take care everybody Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Who wrote yeah, in with the monkey. subject line, Toy Story Memory. Oh, oh Toy story? story. Story. What the f- <clears throat> Are you sure you're ready to start? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's two minutes and that's like 17 errors already. <laughs> well, you don't have record. to know that unless you say it. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, Shelby, Agile, Tony, Stian, Greg Z, Chet L. <laughs> I'm going to edit it. Chet, Chet. L. <laughs> Greg, Greg Z, Chet, Greg L, Blasteter, Stash it, Ben, Stubaka, Travis, and Dana. Thank you each Travis? and every. Who's Travis? God damn it. I'm going to do it again. I, I can't. Read. <laughs> it's a cheat anyway. I had to stop. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on, it wasn't that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.